You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by UFM Underwear. Head to UFMunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN for $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Well, we tried to tell everyone, (laughs) you know, to just wait before they piled on Florida last week for a 24-20 win. You hear that out there? A win over Miami last week. Rival fan bases, much of the media out there couldn't wait to pile on Florida for an ugly win. And could Florida have played better? Absolutely. But it was the first game of the season in a big spotlight. Some mistakes happened, yes. Uh, you know, and then magnified because, well, you know, it being Florida and uh, the only game on TV, the only game people could watch uh, out there. We had criticism of uh, Felipe Franks, uh, statements of Florida being overhyped. Well, as it turns out, uh, th- there aren't many teams playing their best football the first week, first game of the season. Uh, and so, look. You saw it first week around the country, especially in the SEC, uh, you know, and uh, it, look, we usually take a look around at what rivals in the SEC did uh, in our reaction episode. But with Florida having a bye week, you know, this episode, we'll take a look at, uh, you know, the struggles of rivals and, and, and division foes for the Gators. And now uh, the shoe's on the other foot. Gator fans can have a little bit of fun out there just because of uh, everything we took and had to deal with uh, last week with rival fan bases and, and, the, and the media out there just kind of, you know, just putting it all on Florida, just not living up to an, a certain expectation uh, that they had set. And, you know, fair or unfair, you know, we'll see how it turns out. But a lot of people were already putting some final thoughts on Florida after only one game. And you know, I'm going to try not to do that here on, on this episode. I'm trying not to overreact, but there's there's some big worries for some programs out there already uh, after week one. So, you know, try not to overreact just like uh, some people did out there last week. But, uh, look, yes, Florida has to get better. Florida has to play better. But, uh, you know, just for like these other teams, you know, it's not written in stone this season uh, of how it will turn out. So, you know, we'll see. But there is a lot to talk about with some rival, you know, rival teams out there, uh, the SEC and its struggles especially in the SEC East, you know, we'll get there. But, you know, Florida wasn't the only team that was going to struggle. We knew that going into week one. Some quarterbacks out there struggled. Some uh, some other defenses out there struggled. Some teams didn't win the way they were supposed to. Uh, we'll get into some of that here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Kind of limited schedule with the bye week. And uh, one thing I definitely want to stress out there, Hurricane Dorian. I know uh, I live in Jacksonville area, so we have a big eye on this. Working at the TV station as well. I'll be in kind of hurricane coverage, hurricane mode the rest of this week. Recording this episode uh, about midday on Monday uh, on Labor Day. But uh, everybody, heed the warnings after telling you to evacuate. Evacuate. 
Uh, but just just pay attention uh, out there. You know, uh, I'm trying to you know, PSA uh, for a moment here. These things are serious. These hurricanes are serious. Uh, don't get caught, you know, not paying attention or trying to be brave or, you know, just just play it smart. Uh, get out. Get out when you can. If they tell you to evacuate, please leave. But, you know, watch your local news. Keep an eye on it. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of unpredictability still with this storm uh, with about a day or two uh, away from the Jacksonville area. But if you're in South Florida, it's right on your doorstep. You know, so just be be cognizant, be be mindful, uh, and everybody stay safe out there. Uh, of course, we want to, you know, be able to to, to interact and, and listen and all that. And uh, the only way, you know, uh, we don't know how serious this storm can get. So uh, just pay attention out uh, out there. You know, Gator stuff can wait. Uh, other stuff can wait. Take care of yourself first, uh, and you and your family out there first. And just just uh, you know, pay attention. Uh, that's the biggest thing. And everybody be safe out there. Uh, there. So before we get into uh, all uh, what happened this first full week of college football, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News 4 Jack sports team. Also catch the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. Follow us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Also, you can go back, a News 4 Jacks exclusive, Talking with Troop. Former Gators tight end Ben Troop joins me every week on News 4 Jacks and gets his thoughts on the Gators like only he can. You know Ben brings it every time. This last, uh, The last one we recorded late last week, we got some thoughts of Ben from the Miami game and looking forward to the bye week and what the Gators can, can, can work on moving forward. And you can catch that every week exclusively on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. So... Let's get into it. And uh, the game that was moved from Jacksonville because of uh, Hurricane Dorian and Florida State, Boise State. And uh, we know the flow of that game started out very well for Florida State. <laughs> and uh, they were getting the ball to their athletes in space. James Blackman, you know, wasn't necessarily asked to do a lot early on. Uh, get the ball in the playmaker's hands. You had Cam Akers going, running crazy. Uh, Florida's at, Florida State's athletes were pretty much taken over early on in that game. Boy, uh, Boise State was kind of, you know, shooting themselves in the foot a, a little bit too uh, and, and giving FSU uh, a, a lot of chances here. Uh, but, you know, you, you get, it to, you get it to halftime, it's a 31-19 to 19, uh, halftime score. You know, you, Florida State's feeling good. And then comes the second half, Hank Bachmeyer, True freshman quarterback for Boise State, and that running game—you could you could tell early on uh, that Boise State was still able to run the ball. They were just kind of killing themselves a, a, a little bit. Florida State was able to take advantage and, and, and put up some quick points—21 points in the first quarter. But like I said, 30, uh, a 31 to 19 halftime score, and then Boise State puts it puts on a clinic uh, in, in the second half. I mean, it was, whoo! I mean. I, it's tough. I don't know where Florida State goes from here after that second half. I mean, the whole game, the Boise State was eight for eight in the red zone. They had to settle for field goals early. So you mentioned, you know, having to have to kick themselves, um, you know, or, or hurt themselves a lot. Boise State, well, you know, they had to settle for field goals. There were some turnovers in the first half. Uh, Florida State then had two fumbles in the third quarter on back to back drives. Uh, you know, uh, both uh, both of them and Boise State's in the field. Uh, Florida State couldn't recover a fumble. Uh, you know, that 
would have changed the game but probably a little bit. They still couldn't do much in the, in the second half. And Boise State, 57 rushing attempts were the second most during head coach Brian Harson's tenure. Uh, that's since 2014. The Broncos ran for 214 yards. Uh, and they were just able to, to keep FSU's defense on the field. And like I said, even though FSU jumped out to a, a pretty big lead, they were scoring really, really quick. You could see Boise State were still putting drives together, even though with some turnovers. And Florida State's defense was just on the field way, way, way too much. Uh, those 57 carries are just too shy of a mark for Boise State when they uh, had 59 carries back in 2015. Uh, Boise State scored the final 23 points of the game. And the defense limited the Seminoles to just 99 rushing yards on 28 carries. And that was with some big runs, too, early, like I said, by Cam Akers. So only 99 rushing yards for the whole game when you had some big runs in there. And, you know, Florida State, they just couldn't sustain what they had in the first half. They only had 68 yards of offense in the second half. Uh, Boise State made some adjustments. You know, they were getting beat, as I mentioned, by the athletes of Florida State in the first half. But, you know, and they were but they were kind of playing off uh, of FSU and, you know, just giving FSU a little bit of room and their athletes would just take over. They actually, you know, brought coverage up, manned up against FSU. Uh, and besides, you know, the, uh, I mean, Tamori and Terry, the wide receiver for FSU, had a big uh, screen uh, run for a touchdown uh, early in the first half. Uh, Cam Akers had a big run, as I mentioned, as well. But, you know, Boise State really just kept you know, the big plays from happening. Uh, in the second half, and you could just tell watching that game, it was for 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 James Blackman and and the passing game in the second half for FSU. It was either really short screen swing passes or bombs, you know, 40, 50 yard, you know, deep routes. There was nothing intermediate. It was like kind of feast or famine with that FSU offense. And yeah, where do they go from here? I mean, you know, last week they were all confident watching Florida and Miami play a 24-20 game that. Oh, you know, they, they were they were already confident that they were going to be back and that they would beat these two teams. And, well, you know, after one week and, you know, some 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 weird happenings because of uh, the game being moved from, from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. Uh, you know, the, but Boise State w- wasn't affected by that w- when it was all said and done. You know, they, they flew into Jacksonville, had to drive all the way to Tallahassee. They had their fan base, uh, a lot of their fan base in, in, in Doak Campbell. And, you know, look, I mean, as far as crowds goes, you know, I'm not going to, fault many FSU fans for not you know going to that game and selling that game out or anything that was you know last minute change uh everything that had to go on with with a hurricane families you know doing taking care of all that stuff you know yeah that's besides the fact but man I mean where does Willie Taggart go from here uh this was this was a big game for them uh, for FSU coming off of last year uh you needed to, to to write the write the message out there write the uh, write the narrative and that narrative right now is Willie Taggart sitting over his head. And, you know, it wasn't a, necessarily a big fan of the hiring uh, there uh, at FSU. Just hasn't proven enough as a head coach, and uh, especially at big-time schools. And now it's just it, it, even even with Bravs coming in as offensive coordinator and off to a fast start where it looked different. I mean, it did look different in, in the first half. Don't get me wrong. I would still say FSU is a better team now than they were last year. But man, that's a game you cannot lose, and you know I, I don't like to label, you know, uh, in their first week and inexcusable losses, or you know, especially going into that game, you know, Florida State. In the grand scheme of things, yes, they should beat Boise State nine times out of ten. 
But with the with the way the program was trying to bounce back from last year and and what we know Boise State to be a a, a hard out, a, a pretty good team, a pretty disciplined team, when it's all said and done, you know we knew this was going to be a tough game for Florida State. Uh, but you know a lot of people were still picking them to win uh, this game and Boise State having to travel all the way across the country and and play in a pretty big in a pretty big game in some hot weather. Uh, that you know Florida State was able was going to be able to wear them down. It was the opposite. It was the exact opposite. You had FSU's defense on the field a lot. They could not get Boise State off the field. Boise State was converting third downs. They were able to to run for chunk yardage from the get-go uh, with, with their running game. And that really surprised me. It's the way Boise State just kind of came in here and uh, came into Tallahassee and just you know ran the ball down FSU's throat. And that's not really their style. They changed their style, and it worked. They handled the heat well. Uh, they kept FSU on his defense on the field by, by by running and getting chunk yardage. And yeah, I just don't know that where FSU goes from here. I mean, this was this was a terrible loss. Given you know, as I mentioned, kind of going into the game, it, it, not a terrible loss when you looked at it going into the game. Because as I said, Boise State's a hard out. But once you got up the way Florida State did, the way you were up big at halftime. Maybe they got comfortable. I don't know. Maybe they felt good about themselves and because of, of last year and everything's going good early. Man, they just completely fell apart. That's an inexcusable loss. The way you were up, the way you were playing, the way Boise State kind of couldn't get out of their own way uh, there. Man, and not, not only that, you had a true freshman quarterback in his first start coming here and basically – Play better than James Blackman in the second half. Uh, probably the whole game as well, besides just a couple big plays from Blackman. Um, the FSU defense that is filled with athletes. You're up 31-19. to 19. That's a game you cannot lose. That's an inexcusable loss the way the, 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 way the game played out. You're up big at halftime. You need to you, you needed to keep your foot uh, on their throat. You couldn't you couldn't let up if you were at Florida State, given what happened last year. They put so much into this game, so now I think – you got to wonder where the mindset is. You had this, you know, kind of, oh, we're turning around because we got Kendall Browse, the Gulf Coast offense is gone. Uh, you know, Willie Taggart's going to take on more of a managerial role. It didn't work out. Uh, you know, they, they were a little cleaner in the first half, as I said, hit some big plays. They looked a little, um, they probably looked more, you know, cohesive, you know, not necessarily bad penalties like we saw uh, a lot last year, but they could not handle being on the field that long and, and Boise State just coming here and, and, and kind of taking it on. So, you know, for, for one fan base that was that was chirping a whole lot uh, last week because of the way Florida and Miami played, and well, you know what? This is the second year in a row now where you're, you know, you know, not trying to overreact here. Uh, they probably won't play. I say that, you know, I didn't think they played as bad last year uh, either, but uh you know, probably not as bad as what they showed in the second half. Uh, but now, can you rally the troops? Can you get in that mental state of mind to, to bounce back? That, that, that's the big question because I think they put a lot into this game. Uh, I know talking around and, and looking around on Twitter and social media and message boards that you know, FSU really did put a lot into this game. This was a game to change the narrative, and now you're already 0-1. Uh, it was a big comeback by Boise State, and, and you didn't do anything in the second half. So, Back to the drawing board, I think, for uh, Willie Taggart, Kendall Bryles, and, and, and the like there uh, for Florida State. Moving on to probably one of the biggest upsets I can ever remember. Uh, this is another fan base that got a little cocky, a little confident, 
and because of uh, what was going on uh, with Florida and Miami. That's Tennessee. And wow, a 38-30 loss to Georgia State, and it wasn't even that close. Tennessee got a garbage time garbage time touchdown, and that was ugly. Uh, we go into you know, we were going into the season and you had all these quarterback rankings of the SEC quarterbacks and where was Felipe Franks and in, in, in relation to a bunch of other schools or a bunch of other teams and Jared Guarant- Garantano, I think that's the way he says you pronounce his name now, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, but, I mean, he was 26 of 40 for 311 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but in the second half, I mean, he, there was nothing he was doing uh, to, to to make me sit here and think he's think he's better than Felipe Franks. But it's like you don't lose to Georgia State for for, for one thing. Uh, in the second half of that game, uh, Tennessee was up seventeen fourteen going into to halftime. That's about the time I started watching that game, flipping it over. Uh, okay, it's it's a close game at halftime. Tennessee will rally the troops and, and get it together in the second half. Well, uh, that, that that didn't happen. Uh, Tennessee just got absolutely manhandled in the second half of that game uh, for an SEC team, and for an SEC team that has recruited okay, um, you know, to you know, to me, there's there's no blaming Butch Jones here. This is an inexcusable loss. This is an inexcusable loss all the way around. Um, talk about a, a, a mindset, you know, as we were just talking about with FSU. I don't know what the mindset is here of Tennessee. Uh, I mean, you got absolutely Absolutely bulldozed by a Georgia State team that won two games last year in the Sun Belt. Was picked to finish last, dead last in the Sun Belt uh, again, and it was just you know the the, the run game here uh, for, for Georgia State. It was in you know, a quarterback Dan Ellington with his arm, eleven to twenty four for one hundred thirty nine yards. Uh, that didn't slow down uh, Georgia State, uh, and him and running back Trey Barnett. Uh, they combined for 156 yards, two touchdowns on 35 carries. I mean, it was it was unreal, and you could see him setting it up. And I tweeted right before it happened, and and they were running the ball down Tennessee's throat. Even you know they were keying in on the running back. And I said, if, there, if there's a keeper here from Ellington, he's going to score. And, and there were there it was. Two or three plays after that, there was a quarterback keeper. He makes a couple moves. He's off to the races, and and, and Tennessee's got defensive players running each other. And the, the the route the upset was on. Uh, this game wasn't even as close as the eight you know eight point win Georgia State thirty eight to thirty uh, there towards the end. I mean this was this was inexcusable. Uh, you, you're you know an SEC team that has recruited okay. Uh, you're looking at getting better. You have a quarterback that's returning that had a lot of hype around him. You know Jim Chaney coming in from Georgia. I mean, Tennessee just couldn't do anything in the second half, couldn't stay on the field on offense. Guarantano had some bad picks, bad turnovers, and Georgia State just methodically pounded the ball, pounded the ball over and over again. And you end up with a, you know, not even a, a close loss here uh, to a Sunbelt team that, you know, anything more, I don't know. It, it's just kind of, uh, I can't get over how much, more physical Georgia State was than Tennessee, and I mean I, I understand you know it, it's it's hard to get up for opponents like this, but you know you have that scare at halftime. It's a close game at halftime. You think you kind of rally the troops here and and, and, and come back and you know put the game away, but it's just uh, it's just not what happened. Uh, and Tennessee's 
run game also wasn't doing over. I mean, penalties, turnovers. Uh, but now, you know, it's just Tennessee ran for 93 yards. I mean, when we talk about being physical and being out physical by Georgia State, it was on both sides of the ball. Now, it was it was Georgia State running the ball themselves in the second half that really put this game away, and Tennessee couldn't handle it. But still, I mean, you you keep your offense on the field by, by running the ball against a team that's completely outmatched or should be outmatched, and it didn't happen. And, I mean, it's unreal where – how that game played out. Uh, I mean, you had Juwan Jennings making plays uh, still, but it was, I mean, his last touchdown was a garbage time touchdown. Uh, there is, I, I don't know what Tennessee does from here. Uh, it, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, and it wasn't a fluke win. I think that's the, the biggest thing here for, for Tennessee. It wasn't a fluke win by Georgia State. They just out physical manhandle Tennessee, and that's just something you don't uh, expect to see uh, a Sun Belt team do to an SEC team. So, uh, you know, as far as Jeremy Pruitt, you know, it's early in the tenure there, and they're not going to do anything, you know, year two after that. A lot of people wanted to throw the comparisons of Will Muschamp with him, and, you know, you're under Saban, you're under that Saban tree. Uh, but you're a defensive coordinator, and you know I, I, I like the hire of Jim Chaney at offensive coordinator. I thought Jeremy Pruitt was actually a, a pretty good hire uh, in and of itself there at Tennessee. You know, give it some time, but this a, a 38-30 loss to Georgia State not supposed to happen. No matter the circumstance, no matter the bad recruiting from Butch Jones, no matter what you're changing um, at offensive coordinator, no matter the injuries on the offensive line. Yeah, that's just a, a loss that's inexcusable. It can't happen. And oof. I mean, I, I, you know, you, you come out with, with, with power rankings for SEC teams now, and you absolutely have to put Tennessee loss, uh, last here just because of uh, of this loss here. So, you know, I always look for teams, what they'll do, you know, and you know, try not to overreact here, how they'll bounce back. But they have BYU coming up next, does Tennessee. And, you know, they played Utah tough for, for, for a little while last Thursday night uh, there. So uh, it's going to be a tough opponent in and of itself for Tennessee to bounce back from. You start out 0-2. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think Tennessee's as bad as what they showed. Uh, they could be. Uh, but you know, I, I don't. You know, I try not to overreact here. And you know, a lot of overreaction from first games. And, you know, do they play this bad all year? That remains to be seen. I don't, I don't think so. But here's the thing. You got BYU next. You lose that game. Even if it's a close, hard-fought game, you start 0-2. And where's the psyche already of a, of a of a Tennessee team that would start 0-2? I mean, you had Rocky Top. You had a boat burning down uh, Saturday morning on the, <laughs> on the river beside the stadium. Uh, fans not necessarily filling the stadium. That's a, in another argument in and of itself. I was disappointed with crowds for uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, and, and Tennessee. We'll probably see a lot of the same for Florida too, especially after this hurricane this week and, and playing a cupcake opponent. You know, we'll see empty seats everywhere uh, around college football. But I'm sure it was hard to get up for this game. But as I said, there's no no explanation, uh, no reasoning to lose 38-30. So I said not even that close after a garbage time touchdown there uh, for Georgia State to beat Tennessee um, the way they did. And then uh, we know the uh, we know the next one uh, that was a big uh, a big mess up in the SEC as for South Carolina and Will 
must champ. We know that story all too well. But before we get into that game and what happened there, before we move on, guys, you've got to try UFM underwear. Guys, it's hot out there. You know, whether you're tailgating, working, you need a pair of UFM underwear. Underwear for Men is the only brand of men's underwear that offers both isolation and support, all while keeping you cool. Unlike other pouch underwear brands that have thin mesh panels or pre-sized pouches, Underwear for Men's patented pending design prevents skin-on-skin contact and eliminates chafing. Underwear for Men is a state of Florida company and has you covered no matter the activity. Everyday underwear, athletic underwear, work underwear, medical underwear, underwear for men is made for it all. Try your pair now. Head over to ufmunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN to get $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear. Support your manhood. Yeah, and uh, another fan base, uh, I think, that, that felt confident <laughs> after seeing Florida uh, and Miami. Uh, I saw it a little bit. You know, they were thinking uh, they can maybe you know pull out pull out a win here uh, over Florida just by watching that game because of their tough schedule, and that's South Carolina. And I know uh, that this game against North Carolina up in Charlotte was a must-win given that difficulty uh, of schedule for uh, for South Carolina coming up. Through three quarters of that game, South Carolina was up 20-9. to nine. They were in command of this game. Bentley, Jake Bentley, quarterback for South Carolina. I mean, he was 14-21 when it was 20-9, to nine, 127 yards, one touchdown. Wasn't really making anything happen much, but at least taking care of the ball uh, at that point. Then you had Sam Howell, former FSU commit, uh, you know, switched to, to, to North Carolina. Uh, was, and North Carolina was Playing really safe with him, not taking a whole lot of chances uh, there. But in the fourth quarter, you had a true freshman in Sam Howell outplay in every facet of the game what Jake Bentley was able to do. Jake Bentley, I'm telling you, and, and Gator fans, we know this better than anybody. Will Muschamp has not developed that quarterback from him being this is his fourth year. Jake Bentley, he looks the same as a freshman as he did. Oh, he looks the same as a senior as he did as a freshman. And I, I was a little higher on Bentley. And he put up some good stats last year um, there. And how would that translate into his senior season? And we get game one, and it, it's there's no there's and maybe this is maybe this is an overreaction. I don't know. There's been no development of him hardly, hardly at all. Um, and, and Sam Howell in the fourth quarter of this game, it just kind of surprised because he wasn't doing much, but. A 98-yard drive and a 96-yard drive. He connected on five consecutive passes at one point. Uh, and that averaged at 22-point yards a pop there. Um, his efficiency in the fourth quarter was 348.7. Uh, that was best for any FBS passer for a single quarter uh, in week one. And then Jake Bentley, you, you look around, and there's inexcusable interceptions, throws. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, well, don't, no, I mean, a couple plays before he threw the final pick uh, to seal the w- win for North Carolina, he overthrows a wide open receiver uh, here to, to, to get a touchdown and and, and kind of you know South Carolina goes on to take a a, a lead. Um, after that, they were down twenty four twenty. Jake Bentley misses a receiver, uh, and you know the rest is history. A couple plays later, he throws an interception that seals the game for North Carolina. I mean, he missed. Bentley missed seven of his last eight attempts, and it was uh, – I, I don't get it. I, I don't – I mean, you have Brian Edwards 
South Carolina's best offensive player in my mind. I was talking to a South Carolina buddy of mine. He's the one who brought this to my attention. And he, quote, said, Brian Edwards, our best player in offense, had one touch the whole game. And as Gator fans, we know exactly how that, how, how that feels. But Will Muschamp is your head coach, and he can't get out of his own way on offense. You have a playmaker on offense. You get him the ball. It didn't happen. This wasn't North Carolina shutting him down. This was just absolute ineptitude on offense between you know Will Muschamp and whatever he does uh, with you know his offensive coordinator, offensive philosophy, and Jake Bentley just not being able to take that take that next step here. Uh, you know, this was a game. South Carolina was up twenty to nine. You don't lose this game. Uh, to you know, Mac Brown. You don't get me wrong; he's an experienced head coach, but still trying to figure out things on a North Carolina team that wasn't very good last year. And they find a way to win this game. Uh, and it's another SEC East opponent that uh, that goes down here. Uh, and again, they probably should have won, uh, especially when you once you get in the game, or even coming into the game. South Carolina was picked to win this game, uh, and then the way the game was playing out, you're going against Mac Brown. He's playing a true freshman quarterback. You're up twenty to nine. You can't lose this game. You cannot lose this game if you're if you're Will Muschamp. So, you know, and now it's coming. You know, you had Bentley who's making his thirty third career start, and there's this been a lack of growth uh, there. And we know it all too familiar. And now you you starting to see a lot of the the narrative out there. You know, people kind of going back to what Will Muschamp did at Florida and how there was no growth in the offense and now how it's translating that same way uh, to, to South Carolina. Yes, he, he's improving the talent level there. He's recruiting pretty well. He's, he's getting, uh, you know, some pretty good, uh, at least defensive players are going along that and, and, and kind of some playmakers at running back as well. But the offensive line's still an issue. Quarterback's an issue. And it just, uh, it's an all too familiar place uh, in what South Carolina is compared to what Florida was in the Will Muschamp. So a lack of growth, a lack of getting better um, you know, for, for, for South Carolina and Will Muschamp, that uh, inexcusable, inexcusable loss, I think, especially especially once you get in that game and the way it played out. Uh, that, that, that's just a game you can not lose if you're Will Muschamp. Um, and so, I mean, it's, uh, it, it is what it is. We're kind of we we're kind of used to that under Will Muschamp, but that was uh, you know another fan base that was kind of barking at Florida and the way Florida was looking. And uh, when all when it was all said and done, not a pretty not not a pretty look uh, for South Carolina and, and and Will Muschamp. And then Missouri, I mean, I don't know why you're playing a game in Wyoming to begin with, uh, but uh, they go on and and lose thirty seven thirty one to uh, to Wyoming. And not a uh, not a good look uh, for the SEC East here. Kelly Bryant comes in and throws for 423 yards, but uh, that wasn't enough. Still, still not enough. And Missouri was up uh, in this game, and then and then and then end up losing the game. Uh, inexcusable, another inexcusable loss. You know, an SEC team's not supposed to lose <laughs> this game. Um, it, ooh, I mean, they give up 120 rushing yards to to Wyoming quarterback Sean Chambers here. And, uh, I mean, Bryant, as I mentioned, 31 of 48 for 423 yards, two touchdowns, but he threw a, a costly interception in the end zone and lost a fumble uh, that was returned by Wyoming for another score. So, uh, you know, going into the season, we were doing our Missouri previews and and all that. You know, my 
biggest thing was how does the offense cater to Kelly Bryant uh, over Drew Locke? And he, like I said, he puts up good stats here. Uh, they were favored by more than two touchdowns, and you know the, the game, the way it began, Tiger scored on their first, you know, uh, first two possessions, uh, and you thought kind of the the, the route was on. You had 144, 28 um, yard. Uh, difference there uh, in, in the first quarter, but you know turnovers really did really did Missouri in, uh, and Missouri was kind of on the cusp here of uh, you know maybe entering the rankings uh, there. A lot of people kind of looking forward to what Kelly Bryant was going to do, especially with you know Larry Larry Roundtree there uh, at the at running back and Albert O at tight end. But uh, was, you always worry about those Mountain West games. <laughs> and you know especially those late kickoffs and your mountain west games you're traveling on the road uh, especially if you're an sec team you know that that environment kind of maybe can lull you to sleep but missouri got off to a fast start you know that wasn't necessarily a, the, the problem here and eek uh you know you, you lose this game so in between south carolina tennessee missouri i mean it was not a good look uh, for the SEC East, and, and, and especially you know going back to this Missouri game, this was a team. A lot of people were talking about that sneaky team. They were trying to you know peg them as last year's Kentucky team that they could kind of come from nowhere. Nobody's picking them to do much. And if there's one team that you know you're not picking in the East, that's not Georgia and it's not Florida. It's Missouri. Missouri's going to be that team. They're going to sneak up on some people because Kelly Bryant's coming in and they go and lose to Wyoming uh, there. So, and this is one team I probably think is a little bit better even though they lose to Wyoming the team that's probably a little bit better than what they showed here as I said it is a weird uh, kind of road game to go play but once again once you get into the game and you're up by what they were and you're off to a fast start and it's inexcusable uh, at that point uh, so um, you know Wyoming, as I said, you know they reversed their fortunes in the second quarter. Uh, they outscored the Tigers twenty-seven to three in a scoring spree that included a thirty-yard fumble return by cornerback C.J. Colden, a sixty-one-yard scoring run by um, uh, by, by Valaday there, a seventy-five-yard touchdown run by Chambers, uh, and the, the runs by Chambers and Valaday were their longest of their college careers. So Wyoming, I mean Missouri, really, really, you know shot themselves in the foot with some turnovers, but big plays as well. So, you know, that Wyoming was, you know, extending their lead at one point, 34 to 17, entering the fourth quarter uh, there what with a, a one-yard touchdown run by, by Trey Smith. So I just don't know what happens here. And you lose these games. And not only that, this one at one point going into a 34-17 score in the fourth quarter there. Uh, uh, inexcusable. I don't know. I, I'm at a loss for words with some of these games and, and the way they played out. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of, you know, look at everything with the hurricane and how it's coming and trying to catch up with these games and, and, and all that, you know, my head's going everywhere, but, you know, trying to, you know, put, you know, definitions or anything of, of, of why these games played out the way they did of, of why Tennessee loses to Georgia state and how South Carolina lets a true freshman quarterback, you know, going to Charlotte and, and the game they're up and controlling, and all of a sudden that game goes a different way, uh, and Missouri losing this game. There's a lot of inexplicable uh, losses here. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you spin it. Uh, if if you're a fan of those teams uh, there, uh, you, you have to 
really got to look, <laughs> you really got to look at, you, uh, at what you're facing coming up there and, you know, try not to overreact uh, to these losses here, but each in in their own right were, were inexplicable either going into the game or the way these games were playing out. So, I don't know. It's just a uh, big time, big time disappointment there uh, with what some of the SEC East teams showed, uh, especially Missouri uh, and Wyoming and Tennessee losing to Georgia State here. Uh, let's take a look around the uh, SEC and a couple more games before I, I let go here uh, on, on Gators breakdown. Let's see. Uh, going back, you know, Kentucky hard fought game with the with Toledo. There, it was a, a close game going into the fourth quarter. Kentucky eventually breaks away, um, and you know, not too much necessarily to take away uh, from that. Kentucky's defense gave up 181 yards on the ground, so. You know, Florida, you know, it's one of, you know, that's Florida's next big opponent. You know, Florida has their own run game kinks to work out, too. I don't think this Kentucky defense is what they were last year after watching uh, what they did against Toledo. Uh, Miami's defensive front probably a little bit better, I think, than what Kentucky brings to the table there. But, you know, Florida still got its own little kinks to work out in the run game uh, and kind of get that figured out between UT Martin uh, and Kentucky coming up uh, soon uh, as well. Um Memphis, 15-10 to 10 over Ole Miss. Another bad loss for the SEC. Matt Corral does nothing uh, whatsoever and only 93 yards passing. Um, gets shut down by Memphis. Rich Rod's offense there uh, in uh, for Ole Miss. Not doing much right away uh, there. So, uh, you know, another disappointing loss uh, there for the SEC as uh, Memphis gets a 15-10 to 10 win over Ole Miss. Mississippi State, 10-point win, uh, 10 point win over Louisiana, 38-28. Um, defense, uh, I guess, kind of looks – you look at it and what they lost uh, last year uh, and going and transferring it to this year, giving up 28 points to Louisiana, uh, not a great start there. Stevens, the quarterback from Mississippi State, transferred from Penn State, ends up throwing for 236 yards. Alabama, 42-3 win over Duke. Slow start, but uh, when it's all said and done, uh, Tua Tagovailoa throws for 336 yards. Jerry Judy had 137 of those. So I uh, let you know where the offense for, for Alabama still still resides there in, 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 in Tua and Jerry Judy. Arkansas, only a 20-13 win over Portland State. Uh, probably the game of the day. Auburn and Oregon, uh, take a look at that big matchup. Bo Nix, kind of an ugly game until the fourth quarter uh, there, but, you know, kind of before he uh, you know, finds a one-on-one coverage, throws it up, receiver gets it, uh, and Auburn escapes with a victory uh, over Oregon. Uh, a lot of a lot of people looking at that game because of, you know, Bo Nix playing as a true freshman and how he's getting lauded and, you know, kind of for some ugly play, uh, but, you know, has one big play. And uh, I know Gator fans are uh, out there kind of comparing all these other quarterbacks and, and how they played and comparing it to Felipe Franks and how a lot of other quarterbacks are getting away with, you know, either their immaturity or, or, or their stats and how it's, you know, it's not shared uh, between, um, you know, the same criticism shared there. So, you know, Bo Nix lauded for his performance. I know he's a true freshman and all that, but, uh, you know, Justin Herbert as well, only 242 yards against this Auburn uh, defense. And, you know, he didn't necessarily he, – he had some costly turnovers uh, as well and didn't necessarily put up, uh, you know, great stats to, to come and beat Auburn. Uh, there, so you know, I, I do get the uh, the the criticisms of, of of media out there of not kind of you know sharing and and being fair and some some of the same criticisms that you're throwing towards Felipe Franks and some of the other quarterbacks 
yeah, out there. LSU a 55-3 win over Georgia Southern. Joe Burrow, 278 yards uh, behind, and, and five touchdowns there. They jumped on Georgia Southern early, 21 nothing after the first quarter. And it was uh, you know 21 more points in the second quarter there. So a 42-3 lead for LSU going into halftime. The game was never close uh, whatsoever. Uh, there and the last one we go over Georgia Vanderbilt. You know Georgia jumped off. Uh, you know, this game was kind of weird. Um, Jake Fromm only 156 yards passing, uh, but you know Georgia. I mean, as far as what you know, they were able to do on the ground. A 30 to six win. You know, nothing to necessarily write home about, but they uh, they 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 put it on Vandy. You know from the get go. As far as you know, rushing stats go, you had DeAndre Swift at 147 yards rushing, Brian Harry and 65 yards rushing, Zemir White 51 yards rushing. Uh, there, so you, know, you, you saw early on what Georgia was able to do—a lot of misdirection, um, you know, really running the ball pretty heavy. Uh, Fromm was 15 of 23 for 156 yards uh, and one touchdown. The to, uh, first touchdown of the, of the game, I believe, was a, a, a pass there. Um, so. You know, we'll see. Uh, you know, Demetrius Robinson caught that one touchdown from Fromm. You know, we'll see uh, about Georgia. I think they got pretty comfortable uh, there. Uh, it wasn't much of a game. Vandy uh, uh, couldn't do anything on offense um, with, with, with Neil uh, being named a starter. Only 3.4 yards uh, average uh, passing for, for, for Neil. So, you know, Georgia just really solid the way, solid, solid the game away with their run game. Keyshawn Vaughn uh, averaged about five yards a carry uh, for Vanderbilt, 15 attempts for 74 yards, a uh, long run of 16. So, Georgia held him uh, pretty well, but just they couldn't get it. And they couldn't get their playmakers involved because Neil kind of very limited at quarterback there uh, for Vanderbilt. But Georgia got up big, I think, kind of coasted, kind of relaxed. Uh, there was a lack of focus there in the second half, talking with some of my Georgia buddies as well. You know, not necessarily – they weren't too impressed with what they saw with Georgia in the second half. There were a couple short yardage situations too where you would expect have expected Georgia's offensive line to kind of just bowl over Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt was able to make some plays in short yardage situations. So – uh, 30-6 to six win for Georgia when it's all said and done. They got Notre Dame coming up in a couple weeks. So that's a big game there. and kind of we'll, we'll get more about what Georgia is um, there. I'm not taking too much away from, the, from this Vanderbilt game, positive, positively or negatively, uh, for, for, for Georgia. I just think they got up, they got comfortable, kind of lost some focus, and um, you know, kind of, kind of went away. Uh, went away winning uh, from there. Only, only nine points for Georgia in, in the second half, but they were, as I said, up, up pretty comfortable. So... That's it. That'll do it for just look around uh, the rivals and uh, what these teams were able to do. Uh, the rivals and the uh, division foes uh, for the Gators. You know, all, a lot of chirping last week about how ugly Florida looked, uh, but uh, you know, some subpar performances, some some so-so performances out there from 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 other teams, from other quarterbacks, and you know, all the criticism thrown towards Florida's way. In the uh, in the last week, I think you know we'll calm down uh, a little bit. Florida's got to get back on the field. Uh, hopefully, he gets UT Martin. We'll see what this Hurricane does. Hurricane Dorian does, but hopefully, Florida gets back on the field, puts some points up, and gets ready uh, for Kentucky uh, in a couple weeks. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>